get set up here. Got uh, some notes and computer and water. I'm not sure where to put it all, actually. How is everyone? Good. I've got one of these screens you have to look at to open up. There we go. Okay. It's old people and technology. That's what they say, right? Okay. Brandon was um, too kind. I was uh, already a grown man when I met him and at like 21, 22 maybe. I don't know. Um, let's jump into the text and uh, what we're going to be talking about today. It's really good to be here. Um, last time I was here, we got to talk about evangelism, something really near and dear to my heart. And you guys uh, have grown since then. That's very exciting. So, um, man, praise the Lord with what God's doing. And uh, we're trusting him even to increase more and more fruit in this ministry and throughout our whole church. And so, uh, like Pastor Brandon said, I am um, I'm one of the pastors here at your church. And um, I lead the Life Serial Fellowship. So... You know, Kenny's class is doing the breakfast thing, so I don't know uh, if they're trying to copy us, but um, Life Cereal, we have some kids in there we call Fruit Loops, that like some of the high school kids of parents in our class, and so um, I have no idea really where it came from, um, must have been the Lord, but we're going to cover um, some pretty basic stuff today, and um, you know, but I'm not going to apologize for that because it's these basic things that seemed to be the most transformative in my life over the years. And um, so we're going to jump right into it. You know, these are the things that I found most impactful, most resonating, the things that have made the, the biggest, most lasting impression on me. And so let's jump into it. Um, missions, the title of our message is Mission Critical, Getting a Perspective on the Mission of the Church. And the reason I picked this is because missions, if, if you're involved in a church at all and, and you've decided to uh, go beyond just sort of dipping your foot in the water and actually engaging with your local body, um, wherever you go, if you're in an evangelical church, you'll probably hear this phrase. It becomes kind of a catchphrase. Um, ministry is another one. Worship. But what does it mean? And so we want to look at some perspective uh, because perspective is what allows you to view things correctly, right? If you have perspective. And having proper perspective usually requires more than one point of reference, right? And so what I'm going to ask you to do is sort of get outside of yourself. You know, if if all we have to define these ministry-type, Christianity-type phrases is our own understanding and prejudices, um, we're going to be pretty woeful, right? Uh, I mean, I know I, I mess things up all the time, things that I think I understand. But you, So you need perspective. You need other points of reference in order to properly interpret. And so we're going to go back and look at this topic um, of missions. All right, so let's go ahead and pray. Thank you for praying earlier, Brandon. But God, we need your help. And so I just ask that you use me to communicate this important message of missions and helping us to get a perspective that we might embrace and engage and own. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I've defined missions. You've got a slide coming up here. Missions defined 
Uh, well, here, let me preview it first. We're going to go through three main points if you're taking notes. First one is the call, and this is the philosophical call in the Bible, right? Um, the second one is our call, and then the third one is going to be, you guessed it, your call, right? And so you've got a, a philosophical idea of what missions is. This is the overarching, what does God say missions is? You've got my call. I'm going to reveal that to you, God willing, um, and share what my example is to you as somebody involved in missions. And then I'm going to let you as a principal, as the owner of your own life, engage in this call to missions. And I want you to, to step back and so get some perspective of these three points, get a frame of reference of what missions truly is. And so we define missions. Missions is the efforts, and you'll, you'll find other probably better definitions of this, um, but for, for sake of this morning, missions is the efforts by the church and its members to obey the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Are we moving on the slides? I think we are. Okay. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We should have that reference uh, coming up here. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And here comes the commission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And then flip to the next one. Acts chapter 1. You guys are in Acts, right? I, I heard that through the grapevine. Um, we just got out of Acts. It is so exciting. We spent like 15 years in the book of Acts. It's like as long as Paul took to get trained in ministry. That's how long we, we spent in that book. And um, you guys are, are, I hear, moving right along in Acts chapter 8 or something like that. Um, but this is kind of the outline, right, of the book. And it's, it's the extension uh, of what Jesus is talking about of the Great Commission. He received power, and now it's your turn, right? He has commissioned you but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Right? This is missions. Okay? And we do it everywhere. We do it all over the world. China and India and Africa and Europe and, and Raymore and Independence and Chillicothe and your workplace. All of those places according to my perspective, which I'm going to share with you, are located in the world, right? And so you have missions at your fingertips, at your doorstep, at, at your phone, every moment of the day. So when we talk about the call, we're talking about the call to missions found in the Word of God, right? And we're going to go through this first section pretty quick. I'm going to assume that you guys have a, a decent foundation of what I'm referring to when I talk about missions. These, these two passages just kind of springboard off of it. But let's get into uh, these three areas here. The first one is the call, okay? The call to missions. I want you to get this down, so I made it a blank on your page so you could write it down. The call to missions is not an elective for the believer. You understand that? You guys with me on that? If you have placed your faith and your trust 
in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, it's not an option, right? It's not an option that you get to put on the shelf, that you get to reserve for somebody else who was called to a place not here. Missions is for you if you're a believer, okay? It's who you are, right? The Bible describes it as part of your nature as a child of God, right? Now, now people will talk about this idea that there are two calls in your life. Has anybody ever heard that? Two calls as a believer, okay? And, you know, so they, they describe it as every person is called to salvation, and then if they receive that call, there's a call to lordship or a call to service. Well, I'm here to tell you, Okay, there's some elements of truth to that, all right? But I'm here to tell you that it's the same call, right? Now, you can bifurcate those if you want and say that God calls the prepared for specific missions, and that's an accurate statement. But His overarching call to humanity is that we be saved and live a life of good works that glorify His name. That is it. That's the call. Right? That is the call of God to humanity. It's encompassing. that They are together. Right? So check yourself. I want you, so I gave you the perspectives. There's, th- there's a th- few points on your grid. Right? There's God's grid, my, my point, and then your, your point here. Okay? So check yourself. Check your point. Right? If you don't have a heart for lost people in your life, that they would be saved, then it's very possible maybe even likely, that you yourself are lost. Or at best, and we just went through this passage in main service if you're up there, right? At at best, you've turned your back on the things of God as a believer where all I can say is woe unto you. This is a tragic place to find yourself in. Listen to a testimony a pastor friend of mine shared about a recent convert in this church. He shared this this very brief note, this very brand new believer. And he shared this note, and I put it up here. You can't read it probably, but it says this. He writes it to his pastor. Pray for mom. She has heart problem and for friends. And she has heart problem. And for friends and family to get saved. That's his heart as a new believer. See, my friend nailed it when he said, This is entry-level Christianity right there. This is the basics. And you should, I say entry-level, but you should never graduate from a position where where you care for a lost person in your life. If you're too busy, too encumbered by the administration of ministry or your job or your life or your relationships you're in or the cares of this life or the worries that are upon you, there's a problem. You should never graduate from that. Look, you guys have just studied uh, Romans, right? A couple months, or whenever you guys finished that, a few months ago. And you know that your ultimate call, according to Romans 12, is to lay down your life. Right? You guys remember that? Romans chapter 12. I'm not sure if I have that reference up there. 1 and 2. And so, in other words, right? Remember, remember the phrase? Like, to lay down your life, it's, it's a reasonable Sacrifice to do that? In the law, we, 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 uh, we use the term uh, reasonable, the reasonable man or the reasonable person. And there's this fictitious man that is the standard for legal rules, right? And so uh, a jury has presented a case, and the attorneys will ask, 
you know, what would a reasonable man do in this situation? That's how often they have to make their rulings. Paul's saying a reasonable Christian lays down his life. He is sacrificially laying it on the line. And here's why. Here's why. Because you're not your own anymore. Right? You, you guys know this. So where Jesus goes, you go. Right? What he works in, you work in. And if you didn't know, he is going and he is working. Right? Ever since he spanned the universe from his throne on high to become the lowly embodiment of man so that you and I could be heroically saved, he's been on the move. He's been on the move. And he commissioned us in the same ministry. That's exciting. That is so awesome that we can be a part of that. And you've been made part, believer. If you're here and you've trusted Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin and trusting and calling upon Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you've signed up. You're a part of this mission. You see, missions is actually for all believers. John Piper puts, this, puts it this way, and I'll, I'll rephrase it how I like to say it better, but he says there are only three types of Christians. Now, you know, because I'm so much better than John Piper, but um, there are three types of Christians. There are zealous goers, there are zealous senders, and there's the disobedient. That's it. Now, I would merge the two first ones, because I think that as believers... We ought to be going and sending, right? I I don't ever want to see anybody in this room grow up and get your degrees and get wealthy and excuse not going because you just hit the jackpot with your job. And so I'm just going to send from the comfort of whatever wealth I've accumulated by the glory of God. Okay, now you know what? Some of you may in fact be that person. Some of you God may call to be a titan of industry. I don't know. But that better not ever be the excuse for you not personally going. You hear me? It can't be the way it is. Okay? So I would pair the first two together. Second point under the call. The work of missions is not easy. The work of missions is not easy. In fact, if you do a survey, and I did a survey of Luke. um, Actually, well, yeah, I I did a quick survey of Luke. And let me just say this. The work of God, the mission, the call in your life, it will cost you everything. Everything. Okay, now I didn't list all these because it's a lot, and I condensed them. But listen to this list, and and you can just shorthand this if you want. The mission will require you to surrender your life to Jesus. Luke chapter 5. The mission will require you to sit at Jesus' feet and be taught like a student for your whole life. Luke chapter 6. The mission will require you to abandon your own direction. And wherever Jesus goes, oh, that's where I'm going. You go where he goes. Well, I wanted to go over here. Not today you don't because you're on the mission. The mission requires you to be focused on His kingdom. Not yours, on His, not anyone else's. The mission, and that's in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 8, the mission requires that you be a servant. 
Luke chapter 9. The mission, Luke 9 and 10, requires that you preach the gospel. This isn't easy so far, is it, right? I mean, these are impossible things to do in the flesh, done right. Keep going, Luke chapter 9. The mission requires that you deny yourself. Man, this is getting ugly. This is real, I mean, this is hard stuff, right? Um, we were, uh, I was at a basketball game, and I almost put a, a thing up there, but you're going to hear so much about me that I thought I'd spare you. Um, I, was, I coached my son's basketball, my youngest son, not that guy. <laughs> and um, it's been a long time since I take you. Um, and so uh, I coach in basketball, and this is, it's in a church league, and so you've got pastors there and all this stuff, and, and, uh, and moms and, and parents, and, and it's crazy. When you get kids, you'll understand how this feels, but it's, it, it's crazy how difficult it is to deny yourself when it comes to your own kid. Okay, and so you've got pastors out there and and people, and they're just like you can just see it. Like they're trying to walk in the Lord, but you know their kid gets fouled. These are like five year old kids, right? <laughs> and so Hud, my son Hudson, he's uh, he's pretty good dribbler, and and he stuffed a couple of kids yesterday. I mean, and he's not that tall, but just you know, he's pretty smart, and so he knows how to play and all that. And so he just like totally stuffed this little girl, and <laughs> I know. So it's like father like son. And so, um, and a, a guy too, come on, he's, he's he also stepped a boy. But, um, and so, but I'm watching the, the parents and, and man, this one guy, and he's like a leader in this church and all that. And I could just see him like, his kid gets like b- bulldozed by this other kid. And it's like on, like you could almost see him like taping up and like, you know, he's going to go to town against the kid. And um, it's hard. To deny yourself, you know that? So, probably not a lot of parents in here, but you've got things in your life that it is really hard to deny yourself. The missions, it's not easy right here, but we all share a pretty equal perspective inside these walls. But you go out into your workplace and you get denied a commission, or you get denied uh, a shift that you want, or you don't get the grade that you're looking for and your professor is unfair, or you get cheated out of this, or badmouth this, or, or something that you are maybe even entitled to doesn't go your way, it's hard to deny yourself, isn't it? But that's what the mission is about. The mission is also, Luke chapter 9, about you being faithful. You know what? You're consistent. You obey the Word of God, right? When your pastor calls on you, you're, you're there. You make yourself available. You're true to the things that the Word of God says about you. Being on mission means you count the cost ahead of time. You bear the cross. Here's one. Being on the mission is not easy because it means that you are submitting yourself to be chastened, to be corrected. Anybody, like, understand that when they signed up for discipleship? Like, that it was going to be tough and that your discipler was going to have to get in your face sometimes? And have uncomfortable conversations like, Ugh, you know, didn't mean to have to bring this up, but you know, I saw you uh, 
doing that thing. And you know the Bible says this about it and you know like it's hard that can be hard it's hard for the discipler and I know it's it's hard being a a learner a follower having one of your peers or some guy like me calling you out like hey brother hey sister that's not becoming a saint that's hard but when you sign up for the mission that's what it's about you are submitting to a life that says yeah probably till well yeah definitely till the day I die I'm going to be working this thing out, and I'm going to be chastened. I'm going to be corrected, right? Every phase of your life. You don't graduate from that either. Being on mission means that you commune with the Lord, Luke chapter 22. And then finally, and this isn't exhaustive, but being on mission means that you take this message of peace and transformation to the world. That's what the mission's about, right? So it's not easy. It's not easy. Third thing. To succeed in missions, the church must execute, right? Now, I'm not going to get up here. I'm not trying. This isn't like slam Calvinism day. I know Sam talked a lot about election, things like that. But you know what? The Bible says that it's our job to get the gospel out. According to Romans chapter 10, which I'll get into in a minute, if we don't get the gospel out, did you know that the gospel doesn't get out? Right? There aren't, there aren't a lot of uh, road to Damascus conversions in the church age after Saul. Right? The Bible says, well, we'll get into that in a second. But the church must execute. The responsibility of our age is on us as stewards. So if no one goes, the Bible says that no one will hear, and therefore no one will have faith, and then no one will be saved. You see, your lost friends, family, co-workers, and yes, the, the lost scattered throughout the whole world will never know Jesus if you don't go. Right? Don't fool yourself. Oh, man. Don't fool yourself into thinking, oh, I'm just having a bad period of the, my life and I'm just, somebody else will, will handle it. Nobody does. It's a failure of our dispensation, the Bible says, why we are called out. We are raptured one day, not because God's like, yeah, woo, good job, Laodicea in church. We are called up because we failed, the Bible says, at the end of our age. Don't be part of that. The Bible says, there's a reason why the Bible says we're debtors, right? And not just to God, right? We're debtors to this world of the the message that we've been given. So be ready with an answer. Take the word of God and go. Like, Like Paul says, he was earnest in the book of Acts. He, he approached people with boldness and he was polite and he got their attention and, and he took on this role of a debtor. Right? So that's the call. Now I want to take a minute and talk about our call. Right? And so you guys, uh, you can scroll through. We get this question a lot and um, 
The answer is I have a magic eight ball <laughs> that I shake. And I just shook it a lot until it said yes. Like, you know, and so I really I wanted to go to Boston, and I did that. So um, that's not really it. Let me tell you uh, two things. And let me preview it. So first off, decide. And this is a philosophical decision. All right? I had to decide at one point that I was bought in to the mission. I sound kind of Bostonian. Bought in. <laughs> I parked my car. I don't know. I had to decide at one time that I was philosophically bought in, heart and head, into the mission. It was, it was not going to be an elective to me. I realized it was not going to be easy, but I knew it had to be executed. I philosophically agreed with that. My frame of reference matched God's. The second thing I had to do was just that, do, okay? I had to have faith. I had to to act upon what I was believing. And so with that mindset, I acted. And so I just want to share my testimony of kind of how we got here, all right? And it's going to be hopefully illustrative to you of what it means to follow the Lord, God willing. Um, So let me just tell you, when I was a young boy, I recognized there was a moment in my life where I recognized that I had a sin problem, okay? I had a problem with sin that was separating me from a holy God whose wrath would not be satisfied based upon my efforts. You may have heard this story before. And I came to the conclusion, based upon hearing the word of God given to me by my parents, by preachers in our church, that the only way to salvation was to surrender my life to Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life and to repent from my sins. And so I did that. And I bowed down before my mother's bed and I made a decision. I prayed through what the gospel says that all I have to do is believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that His work, His sacrificial work atoned for my sin if I would receive it. And I believed as a child. Received Jesus Christ as my Lord. A few years later, I was at a church, and I remember hearing there was a missionary in town. And I remember hearing this, this uh, passionate plea, right? For one of the first times ever, um, that people in other parts of the world did not know Jesus. Like, I was raised in a home that knew Jesus. My parents had, my, my dad in particular, had just gotten saved not too long before, and my mom had. I'd kind of lived a little while uh, growing up, and so, but they got saved. They're both in the church and faithful, but, but pretty new, right, in terms of walking with the Lord. And so, um, you know, we're all figuring it out just like everybody does, and, and, but I'm born in a Christian home, thank God. And I hear about these people, and, and there's a call. I remember I was sitting over here, and I was eight, and I remember this preacher calling, if, if you believe God's called you to missions we need to come forward and it was a small country church you know uh, maybe maybe about this size in terms of people and and uh, maybe maybe even smaller I don't remember exactly and <clears throat> I remember I went forward I told my parents I'm like I, I think I'm supposed to go forward 
and, and uh, answer this call. And so I'm just like, you know, eight years old, and um, go for it. And the pastor's all like, oh, yeah, good boy. And, and my parents are proud, but they don't have, you know, like I'm eight. And, um, and so, but I meant it to the Lord, right? You know, no matter, and I don't know how much they took it to heart. I don't know that pastor anymore, but, and I grew in the Lord. You know, I read my Bible. I was learning it. I was memorizing scripture. And sometime later, after experiencing a period of wandering as a teenager, I responded to a call in my life to be fully consecrated, right? I was going to be, I was going to live pure and holy and walk with the Lord and follow him and, and embrace his position in my life as who he was. He was the Lord. And so, like his word promised, he continued to work in me. He continued to sharpen. He cleansed. He chastened me. And there was victory. People got saved. It was discipling people. And there was great pain, right, as God sharpened me. And he allowed me to be broken. And there was great agony as God allowed me to grieve and to suffer. And at one time, nearly losing everything in my life that was dear to me. You see, perspective comes in these times of loss. And so God was giving me perspective, right? He was with me this whole time. And at a time I just wanted to be forgotten, I remember my brother, my little brother, he's my little brother, but Pastor Dan, he invited me to come over and be a part of Sam's ministry. This was a college ministry back in the day. This is about the time when I met uh, your pastor, Brandon. This was in the early 2000s, about 2002. And... You know, I'd invited Dan up through our youth ministry growing up. And at this enormous, immense time of need, he was there. And he pulled me in to this college ministry. And I just wanted to kind of hide at the, at the moment. And I remember just appreciating sort of the anonymity. And it suited me real well. And I'd been depleted. But God continued to work. God continued to, to stoke that fire And it wasn't too long after that that a mutual friend of mine introduced me to Meredith, my wife, which is right here. You stand up. Okay. So so cat calls, while wildly inappropriate, are understandable there. So obviously. Um, So, uh, okay. But we married in 2005, okay? And, um, you know, just like some of you guys are doing, we ended up leading a Bible study back then. My brother had gone off to San Francisco, and we ended up taking over the Longview Bible study. Now, neither of us were in Longview, okay? But we took over what was, at the time, the Longview Bible study, and it kind of had split off, and um, we had other couples in the Bible study. And um, we ended up ministering. We started ministering to um, a group of folks in our Bible study. And our focus was on urban missions, right? My wife worked at a place that uh, focused on helping urban youth. And, and uh, she'd worked at some places uh, pretty similar. And so at one time, we had almost 40 people coming to this small group praying about urban missions. And back then, we called it uh, Metro Missions. And we thought we were all cool about that. And, <clears throat> and so... Sam, 
at the same time, like Sam, God was working on Sam's heart, and he'd taken it all the way, and probably I'd heard from Sam, right? I'd probably heard him talking, and that's how this idea came up. But he'd taken this idea that he called Crosstown Missions to the church leadership, to our pastors back at the time. And, and um, it wasn't too long after that Midtown officially launched, right, right, in the next two or three years. And so Meredith and I grew through that process um, a lot. You know, we served, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the Smiths, um, Gary, and, um, is it Anita? No, 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 not Larry. Tina. Yeah, your son's in here. There we go. Where are you at? There we go. Your parents run the baptism team, and they've been uh, calling for the last two months for help. Does anybody heard that? Okay. I've heard it. I'll tell you why I hear it, because Meredith and I, were called about seven years ago to help start the, the first regular baptism team, okay? Prior to that, Chris Miller would come, and just like Chris Miller does everything, he would set up the team, and this guy would do that, and sometimes we'd, it wasn't a team, he would just set up the tank, and he grabbed somebody that was available. Well, we started like the first like regular team, right? We got a schedule going, and, and uh, so we worked on the baptism team here at Midtown, we, uh, and God grew us through that, right? Um, just through serving our local body and working with people following the Lord in baptism. And God grew it, and he started letting us work, and, and we helped develop what, what's now called the Connections Ministry, right? We, we taught classes in Kidtown. We counted the offering. We worked security. We discipled people. We'd take teams out and evangelize. We'd do cleaning days and work days. And man, did God ever grow us through this experience, having helped plant this church. So a little over two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, we were sent out of Pastor Best's class to start this, this fellowship I was telling you about. And, you know, we felt grateful for these opportunities, every single one of them. But at the same time, I felt compelled that God was, was pulling us even further. I remember back then considering, I think God was calling me to Lee Summit. My brother was starting his church, and, and Chris and Sam both said, why don't you consider just staying put, start this class, see what happens, trust the Lord. And I want you to give me three years, <clears throat> they said. And I didn't know what, I was like, okay. It seemed kind of arbitrary, but <clears throat> sure. And... Um, trusted God, right? And so we continued forward, and this idea of being indebted, like Paul talks about, just kept going through my head. And Philippians chapter 3 says, brethren, in verse 13 and 14, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And so this call kept, kept resonating in my ear. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The last three years have been particularly important, and not only from a ministry standpoint, but also in relation to the call to this field I'm going to share with you about. Right? We decided to stay, and for our 10-year anniversary, we went out to visit Cape Cod. You can't see these pictures very well, but uh, we loved it. It was a great time. And on the way back, I remember just asking the Lord, like really, really hearing, I felt hearing from him about that area, like, 
what would you have us do out here, if anything? And man, if it wasn't a few months later, I ended up meeting a, a pastor from out in the region, just happened to be at our mission focus. Like for us to have a contact with a guy from New England is pretty rare. Because number one, there just aren't a lot of Bible churches out there. But two, we just don't have a lot of contact out there. And so I met this guy, and he invited us out, and so we took our, our newborn baby out there. And um, God started impressing upon our heart, right? Now, we didn't have, prior to this, any, other than our trip out there, any direct interest, any love affair for New England. Um, it's not, you know, I didn't have this romantic pull towards it. Um, I'm not Irish, you know, or, or, or whatever else is out there. Is that racist that I said that? Uh, maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. I'm, well, I'm old, so you've got to give me some slack. Um, I'm sorry. I really apologize. It probably was. It probably was. Um, forgive me if you're Irish. So, but God kept like beating this drum just real quietly. And... Um, it was about that time when we came back, and I was going through Acts, and we were in 17, and it references that, that passage about Athens, that the city was wholly given over to idolatry. And it's all I could think about. Um, I could not not think about it. And... Um, so I began to think on these passages that God had shared with me before. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And then these horrible stories in Luke chapter 8, Matthew 13, about the sower who goes out into the field and he sows in these four types of field, and the devil intercepts it, and the temptation takes it down, and the sun scorches it, and the birds of the air steal it. And if you look at Matthew 13, there's, there's this sort of revelation of, of, of the cure, right? The problem is that no one's hearing it. No one's hearing the Word of God. And I, I got to thinking about Boston even more, this place that... that the Great Awakening came through at one point in American Christianity was now devoid of the Bible. You see, Romans 10 says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, some will never believe, but no one will believe if the church doesn't send people and its members don't go. Bible literacy, that is the solution, guys. That's it. Because Bible literacy is what points you to the Jesus of the Bible. You with me? There are churches out in Boston right now that are talking about Jesus, social Jesus, um, gay tolerant Jesus, um, political Jesus, uh, sin is no problem Jesus, Jesus who's the brother of Lucifer, Jesus. I mean, all spectrums. Jesus the prophet, Jesus, who's not actually a deity. But only the Bible points you to Jesus Christ, Lord, 
the only begotten Son of God, capable of conquering your sin. Only the Bible. So Bible literacy is the solution. And so God began to work on my heart. And I began sharing it more and more over that last year and a half, two years with Sam and Chris and, and others and just asking for prayer. And, and, you know, Boston, I'm not sure if I put the stat up there, but, you know, in a 50-mile radius, there's some 50-plus colleges. Over 250,000 college students just in 50 miles radius. Over yeah, 60,000 international students. I mean, talk about FOI, right? Enormous opportunity. It's where the world comes to be educated. And so God has led us step by step, one step at a time, just trusting him, being surrendered philosophically that where he goes, I'm going to go to the best of my ability. And God's opened the door. And He's revealed it through our pastors, through the body of Christ, through my wife, confirming it with me. God's opened these doors. And so, you see, in the, in the Bible, God's will is very clear. Did you know that? You don't have to guess about God's will. Right? I mean, there, there are at least, some people would say, seven specifically articulated statements that spell out the will of God. But God's day-to-day plan for you, right, where to work. Like last time I checked, you don't find the scripture that says Cerner in it, right, or UMKC or Boston or anything like that, right? So where to work, who to marry, what to eat, what mission field do I buy? Write this down. I don't know if I put this in there. You can trust God because God's plans for his children are flexibly precise. Okay? Hope that makes sense. You've got flexibility as God's child to act and maneuver and to work and trust that he will direct and redirect you. I tell this story, I've told it probably, if I've told it once, I've probably told it 50 times as people come and talk to us about Boston and and whether they should go, whether they shouldn't go, and how did you figure it out? God loves his kids. He just he loves you. He wants you to partake in what he's doing. And so this has never happened, but I imagine Hudson one day coming to me. You know, I'm getting ready for court or something like that. And, and he comes and brings me my necktie. You know, I've got several neckties in the closet, and, but only like four or five I actually wear. You know, <clears throat> and he brings me a necktie, and I've got a blue shirt on. So, but he brings me a blue tie anyway, and he doesn't know I'm not gonna put blue on blue. <laughs> I want the green tie or the red tie or the yellow, but he brings me the blue tie, and I'm just waiting just to terrorize Hudson because he failed me. <laughs> My almighty wrath is going to come down because he failed me and brought the wrong color tie. Our father is the same way. He doesn't do that. 
He loves his kids. If, if Hudson brought me the blue tie, I would probably put it on and then wait for him to leave the room and go get the other tie. Like, I would be so excited just that he was like part of what I was doing that day. Right? Maybe I redirect him. Maybe I take it as a lesson. You know what? Hey, man, you got to coordinate your colors. Here's how you do it. You don't wear same colors, blah, blah, blah. Look, God's the same way with you. You've got to get out there and engage His mission that's right in front of you. Get involved in your Bible study. Get involved with your pastor, your discipler. Engage. He will redirect you. And He'll open those doors. Boston wasn't one of these things where you're just like, no, one step led to another, and we just kept moving forward like, I guess we keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. God's been confirming it, right? So, in the last 30 seconds, your call. It's my final point. There's a picture somewhere in here of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Not this St. Paul's. The big St. Paul's. This is where, like, the kings get married and all that. There's a stained glass window depicting a man sowing seed. It was presented as a memorial to a man named Samuel Burnett. He devoted his entire life to spreading the word of God in the wicked east end of London. And beneath the painting, there's a plaque which reads, Dedicated to Samuel Burnett, who served in East London for 50 years, and who feared not to sow despite the birds. Look, we're, we're trusting God to send us to kind of a rough field, right? And we're not hopefully going to be stoned or anything like that, but from a reception standpoint, um, gospel isn't appreciated. It's one of the most de-churched, unchurched, least churched regions. In fact, it far outpaces every other region in all of the country, with Portland and Boston being number one and two of the big cities of being de-churched and unchurched. It's kind of crazy, right? And so nobody's going to want us there. But I'm going to offer you guys to consider. I want to call you guys, and based upon the, the, the philosophy and the example, I want you to be principal owners of this thing for your life. And I want you to decide today to be mentally bought in, that it's not an elective for you, that it's not easy, and that you must execute. And then I want you to buy in in faith. You guys see that sign in front of you every time you're in the, in the auditorium? Pray, prepare, give, go, right? Well, there are going to be some prayer points up here, and I want you to be praying for these things for us. I don't want you to sin against the Lord. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So pray for us. I'm asking that. For a team to be called out by the Lord. For provision. For resources, jobs, housing, for open doors, and for protection. And then I want you guys to prepare Missions is for you. This Tuesday night is Missionary Prayer Night. Did you know that? There will be presentations about missions and trips all year long. Boston will be one of them, right? And so prepare. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. And then get involved, get discipled, trust the Lord. Thirdly, give. Everyone in here ought to be tithing. But you've got an opportunity to give to missions. Did you know that? Every one of you. Now, if you go on the church website right now, 
there's a giving portal. And if you go under the designations, and praise the Lord, at the very top is Renault's Boston. <laughs> and so this is uncomfortable asking, but I'm trusting the Lord that God would provide through our church. And so if you are not giving, voila. Here's like, like magic. I have presented an opportunity to you. We're going to need help, and the Lord will provide, right? I committed to doing that for missionaries long ago, and every month there are a couple missionaries in our building fund, and, and I'm, I'm dedicated to that. It's something that God has impressed me to do, and so I ask you to do the same. Finally, let me close up with this, and I, I know we're late. <clears throat> you ought to go. You ought to go. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come see the field. This fall, we're going to be taking a trip in September, October as a discovery trip to see Boston. There will be an informational meeting on the 12th of March. Write that down. I left space on the bottom of your page to write that down. March 12th in the balcony. And then pray. Pray about your purpose in missions. You know what, for us, I would just, I'm going to be bold and ask you guys. I would pray and ask you to consider what God would do with you on our team. To pray, to support, to even perhaps go. So if that's you, I'm going to, i got to wrap this up. I'll never be asked back again if I don't. <laughs> if that's you, here's what I want you to do. Talk to your pastor. Okay, not all at once. Okay. Talk to me. Talk to Pastor Best. He's our missions pastor for a reason. Okay? Coordinate with us. Just let us know where you're at. And let us be helping you pray and guide and steer as we're trusting God for this field. Amen? Okay. Thank the Lord I'm done. I had so much more to share, but I am late. And so, uh, and I do want to be invited back. So let's pray. And uh, if I don't know you... Uh, Come, come, say, uh, come say hello, say hi. I don't know a lot of you guys in here. I'd love to say hello, so let's pray and get out of here. God, thank you for your mission. Thank you for saving us and giving us this, this great purpose um, that lasts forever, that is beyond a 401K and promotion and, and uh, just a, a life here, God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.